So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. My next guest, first time on the show, I get these guests, they come in, I get excited. Because guess what? I learned things from him. Is a former Wall Street analyst, founder of Empify, merging of the words empower and modify. Is an educational based organization created to help both adults and children understand financial literacy. That's a really tricky term there. She is a personal financial coach, financial journalist for Black Enterprise and Essence Magazine, and international speaker. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Ashley M. Fox. Hi, how are you? Pretty good, Miss Fox. Where are you at right now? Where are you based at right now? I'm in Philadelphia. When you say you are a former Wall Street analyst, what does that mean? Because you know, Wall um, Street so, scares a lot of people, especially minorities, because we don't even understand how you make money <laughs> in the Wall Street world. Break it down a little bit to it, and we're willing to take, that, take the time to understand on Money Making Conversation exactly what did you do and what role do you play in that? Okay, so I went to Howard University, graduated, and I decided to work on Wall Street. Um, I had four internships in school, and three of them I worked at Wall Street Investment Banks. So, and I lived in New York, too, this summer. So that's when I realized I wanted to work on Wall Street. They paid really great money. Um, and so ideally, I actually just wanted to work on Wall Street because you got one of the highest paying jobs out of school. Mm-hmm. And so as an analyst, I worked in asset management. And so what I did was work with a team of people who helped manage the money for clients who made $25 million or more. So... I saw everything, where they lived, where they traveled, what they invested in, how much they didn't pay in taxes. Pretty much if you have $25 million or more, um, you don't need a financial advisor. You need an asset manager. And so whether it was helping them with their trust in the states, whether it was getting a mortgage on their vacation home in Napa or in somewhere in Florida, wherever it is, or in the Hamptons, um, or just helping them invest to build that generational wealth to pass it down to their children. Um, we were there to provide them with the tools and resources to help them sustain their wealth so they didn't lose it. Now, here's the crazy part about that statement. You said $25 million or more, correct? And yes. you, you said that number like it's a lot of them. It is. <laughs> it's a whole different <laughs> world. It's no, a, it's he, a, and it was interesting, though. A lot, of the, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the things that we use every day, from the cars that we drive to the clothes that we wear to the football teams we watch, um, interestingly enough, a lot of wealthy people who own football teams, that is not their general source of income. That's actually just something they did um, because it was fun to do. Most NFL owners, basketball, NBA team owners, that is not how they got their wealth. They essentially, that is just something to do with their money. Um, and they may just have 
some sort of joy around sports, but they did not build their wealth, the majority of them buying a sports team. That is just something extra that they do because they have so much money. Um, but it is. It's a completely different world out there. And so the owners and CEOs of these companies that we don't even know exist, mm-hmm. um, they ideally were our clients. Now, so you're Howard University, and you said, mm-hmm. you said casually, I wanted to work on Wall Street. Yeah. And then you wind up working on Wall Street. How do how does the want and the actual accomplishment happen? Um, I think to be and again, when I was in high school, I wanted to look nice and make a lot of money. I never had visions of running a business. I never was one of those students who said I wanted to be my own boss. Right. I always envisioned myself as an African American working on Wall Street, something prestigious, something high paced, um, competitive. And I knew that in order to get there, I was competing with the Harvards and the Yales of the world. Mm -hmm. And so if they were looking for prestigious black individuals, they were coming to Howard University. And so at Howard, all of these companies will come to recruit. So I got exposed to the opportunities that these companies had available for the students. And when I got my first internship, and and this is interestingly, my first internship on Wall Street, I don't know what they pay now, but I know I made $10,000 in the summertime. And so Mm -hmm. I was 19 years old making a bunch of money, um, and I was like, I like this. I like the feeling. I like the people. I like the environment. I absolutely love New York City. And so whatever I had to do to be in that position mm-hmm. post-graduation, I did what I needed to do to work on Wall Street. But Howard University played a very big role in exposing me to these companies, to these opportunities to see, hey, that it is actually possible for me to go and have a career on Wall Street in New York City. Cool. Now, with that being said, you're, uh, you know, you're having success on Wall Street as an analyst, seeing a lot of people with this generational money, these uh, accounts. What what was running through your mind when you're around something that you, you see success, but are you really a part of the success? Um, so a couple of thoughts ran through my mind. I was enamored. It was exciting. Like, I, I just, I saw every single thing, every dollar you spent, every, I saw everything. Um, but after I would say eight or nine months, I got more joy and had the desire to pick their brain on how they got their money, Mm -hmm. not teach them how to keep it. Mm -hmm. But the only issue was that when I would go back home to Philadelphia, people thought I was rich. So because I was making six figures because I traveled, I wore nice clothes, people thought I had money. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was a big disconnect to how our community saw wealth and what wealth really was and how they thought, how they operated, how they taught their kids, what they read. It's a completely different lifestyle that we are oblivious to. Um, and I think we shouldn't have to come from money for us to learn about it. I, I, you, don't, you shouldn't have to choose a career on Wall Street to then see how wealthy people operate, manage, and invest their money. So, um, I think it's something that we use every day, so why isn't it given to us and taught to us every day? And so that's why you created the, uh, the you've combined Empower and Modify, and created an educational-based organization created to help adults, that's me, and our children to understand financial mm-hmm. literacy. What is financial literacy? Um, so, so the reason I made that word up is because I think— Oh, we know you made money. it up now. We know that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out who I was and what, did I, what I wanted to give to the world. And I was a teacher. I was a psychologist. I was a shoulder to cry on. I was a career counselor. I was a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but the feeling that I embed in the hearts and minds of people is not just about money. It's about the shifting of the mind. Because I feel like if your mind is right, your bank account will be right. Mm-hmm. When you think of wealth, you think of longevity. 
When you think of rich, you think of a lot of money right now. Wealth is having a lot of money forever. And that is one of the core differences that I saw with our clients. They were worrying about giving money to their kids' kids' kids just so they didn't have to pay taxes on the money, whereas the majority of people in our community are actually waiting for a tax refund, not realizing that wealthy people don't get tax refunds. They're trying to avoid paying taxes in any way possible and to sustain and keep their wealth to pass it on generation after generation. And so for me, it was like, okay, how can I build this concept and shift our mindset? Because everything I teach people, whether you're an adult or a child, you can Google it. Like what a stock is, you can Google those things. There's a mental barrier that stops us from implementing the things that we have access to and the things that we see. And for me, amplifies the shifting of the mind. So essentially, I give you the education, but I also give you the inspiration to embed in you that you are worthy enough to receive this information, that you are able to do this, that you can invest, so now you're empowered. You got educated, you're empowered, and what that ultimately does, it creates a shift in the mind because now you have the information, now you have the inspiration, now you say, hey, I can do this. I believe in myself enough, and I, you know, and this can be done, which is where the modify and the transition comes of who we are as a people. So financial education, I mean, that's just getting educated around money, but again, financial education, you can Google and not even have a person present. The problem is that we don't take this information and feel that we are worthy enough of becoming wealthy because we are not surrounded by it every single wow. day. You know, you're, you can talk. And uh, we're going to be back. <laughs> we're going to talk some more. I, I, it's amazing. I'm just gathering so many friends and money-making conversations. More money-making conversations. Rashawn McDonald and Ashley M. Fox. I'm back. Rashawn McDonald. I'm off-air, you know, Miss Fox created controversy. Talking about $25 million like it was like, like it was every, you know, we, we have everyday people listening to this show. <laughs> well, I had a lot of accounts for, you know, everybody who had $25 million or more, you know, down to the, to the receipts, their air travel, their lifestyle and everything. And so now what about these people, Miss Fox, who win the lotto? Where do they make their mistakes? because they go broke or they don't know what to do with the money. What advice would you give them from a financial literacy standpoint to a person who wins the lottery? Um, <laughs> so I think ideally they lose their money because they're not accustomed to having it. Um, and it's not until you, you start feeling you are deserving of this lifestyle, that you are grateful for this lifestyle, that your mind can coexist with the money. Because mm-hmm. if you're coming from a place of lack, I want the money, I want the money, I want the money. I never had it, I got to have it, I got to spend it. I got to do all those things that I didn't get the opportunity to do when I didn't have money. You're coming from a place of lack versus a place of abundance. And ideally, if you're putting out lack and the desire to obtain money, it's coming from a place of I need to have it, I got to have it. From a survival standpoint, Mm -hmm. all you're doing is putting out lack. So now the universe is just going to give you back lack, which is why money gets taken from you. I would say someone who wins the lottery, or not even someone who wins the lottery who comes across a large amount of money, you have to ask yourself, how long do you want this money to, to last you? Because you can give somebody a million dollars and they can spend a million dollars. And I've seen people spend a million dollars in less than 30 days. Um, Absolutely. Who have not come from money. And so you have to ask yourself. You can come from money and spend it like I that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, what, what is it that I want this money for and how long do I want it to last me? Mm-hmm. What matters to me? What's important to me? One of the things that I do with my clients in particular is get it all out your system. What do you want to buy? The house, the car, the clothes, whatever it is that you want, get it out of your system and then put yourself in a position where that money will last you forever. So that's when you sit and you talk to somebody in finance who can help you open different types of investments. 
um, whether it's different types of annuities or different types of insurance policies or different types of brokerage accounts. Um, I, everyone is different, and every age is different, and everyone's goals are different. But you have to, one, get it out of your system, all the things that you want. By no means am I saying don't go get the things you want. Right. You don't want to look up and you have all these things you want. Two years from now, you're back in the same lifestyle, having no money prior to winning the money that you did receive. And no. so I think mm-hmm. it's prioritizing what matters, writing out your goals, the life that you envision, and sitting with someone before you go blow through everything. You know, it's really interesting because I can agree with her on um... – because when you're in the entertainment business, you get a lump sum of money, and sometimes a large lump sum of money. And you just you just spend money without a plan. And I think that's the key. I can remember having cars, and and I, I'm going like, what am I doing with all these cars? And uh, leasing cars. And, and that means that at the end of the lease, I don't even own it, but I'm paying like two, $3,000 a month on just monthly leases. you know. But I'm telling myself I can write this over my taxes because I bought it on the business, but in the end, I don't have the vehicle. So there's a lot of things you can get out there when you have money that you can just spend it and it and it, and it trivializes itself because if you don't think about next month, next year, five years from now, then guess what? You're making a big mistake when you are living in a lifestyle where money is coming towards you. Now, the everyday person doesn't understand that because either they live in check to check or they're trying to survive or they barely have a savings account. Now, you what type of people are you dealing with? What type of people are you coaching, Ms. Fox? Are we talking about everyday people or people who have a certain financial pool of success? No, um, so I don't I don't turn people away. I think one of the things I don't do during my time as a financial advisor, I don't solicit um, because when people are ready, they will come. And um, for me, I've never said, hey, come work with me, come get your money in order. When people are ready and they've, they've exhausted all options, have made all the mistakes that they could possibly have made themselves, they will surrender and ask for help. And to be honest, if you if you would have if you could have gotten it, you would have been a different person today. So who you are today has gotten you this far. So in order to be somebody different, you have to do different, and people have to be ready to receive that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I don't turn anybody away. Ideally, I just work with people who want to learn how to make financially educated decisions. So they are looking to get the education behind that. And I I truly believe when people are ready, when they realize that, you know, I've made every mistake in the book, I'm exhausted, I'm frustrated, somebody has to help me, they're taking the risk on them. Um, But it's easier to work with people who want help as opposed to telling someone you need help because when you tell someone they need help, it's actually more so offensive to them. So when people are ready, they reach out. um, And if not, they'll get referred or things like that. But I've never said, hey, you need to get your life in order because it's a touchy subject. When people are ready to get their life in order and they see the opportunity or they see someone or something that could help them, they will make it a priority to get themselves better financially. Because you are talking to successful people. And uh, one thing about a successful person, you don't want to tell them they, they, they're dumb or they're making a mistake. Yeah, no. You know, you want to coach them through Absolutely. the process and go, let's look at it this way. How have you considered this? How about this? You, you never just go right in, you should do this. All major pushback. But if you say, have you considered this? Here are some options. Those are terms that if you're good at what you do, and she knows I'm telling the truth, those are the terms you have to talk to when you're talking to successful people, especially when you're talking about their money or what they've done with Mm -hmm. their money. Now, let's talk about ways to invest and how to start. That's a big controversy. And in, uh, and in, in you see the stock market, you know, you see Donald Trump talking about the stock market. If he, if he walk away from the presidency, the stock market is going to crash. How do you invest and how do you start? And is starting in the stock market the key to starting? 
Um, well, if you get down to the root of every type of investment, pretty much every type of investment, it is all rooted and connected to the stock market one way, shape, or form. Right. What most people don't know is those retirement plans, those pensions, the hospitals you go to, they all take their money, and it's being invested somewhere. Right. Um, so I, people, one, need to realize that saving is not going to build you wealth, investing will. Saving will keep your money safe, but it is not going to increase your net worth by any means. Right. And I think we have this mindset of, I have to have money, I have to keep money, I have to save money. That's a fear-driven mentality, mm-hmm. and that's coming from a place of lack. So if all you're focusing on is fear, all you're going to attract is all the things that you are scared of. When it comes to investing, the easiest way um, I always tell people is to buy what you know. Once you understand the core of the stock market, which ideally is just a piece of ownership of a company, you essentially are investing small pieces of your money in large businesses. And so the easiest way to start is to buy what you know. Right. One of the exercises I often do with my students and with adults is make a list of everything you spend your time or money on. So from the water you drink, the car you drive, the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the social media apps you use, the phone you use, your cable company, all of these companies are making money off of your consumption. Mm -hmm. And especially specifically in the black community, we have a $1.3 trillion buying power, Mm -hmm. which means that after all of our bills are paid, there's $1.3 trillion being given to some company because we are always a consumer. And so as opposed to giving our money away, sit and think about how much does it cost to own a piece of this company because a lot of the large companies that we utilize every day are publicly traded companies and you are able to buy stock. So, for instance, Apple. It costs more to own the new Apple iPhone than it does to own a piece of Apple as an entire company. And a, <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the beverages that we drink, just we, you have no idea. Everything you touch and feel and consume is a company. Someone is making money from the chair you're sitting on. Somebody made that chair, and someone bought that chair because they knew you were going to sit on it. Because you are using that chair, that company makes money. We need to have a proactive mindset on, should I, can I go invest in this company? And if you're loyal to the brand on a consistent basis, they are consistently getting your consumption, your money, or your time. And I think what wealthy people value is ownership versus spending. In the black community, most specifically, we want to look good. We want to feel good because deep down inside, we don't always feel like we are good. Not realizing that these Fortune 500 companies are, are here because of what we spend our time and money on. Not saying that it's bad to spend, but if you can't buy it twice, you can't afford it. If you can't invest it twice, you shouldn't be buying it. And so in this case, it's not just buy the product. It's also own stock in the company that makes the products that we are always using as people. Ms. Fox, you too smart. I'm telling you, I'm telling you something. <laughs> I, I'm a smart guy now. I'm going to tell you something. You're born on the phone talking to you, pretty smart now. And uh, you pretty, you, you, I'm telling you something. I always like, I always tell people when, they, when they're smarter than me, I got to applaud them. Girl, you got it going on. <laughs> And they, but your logic, you. but your logic, because I've heard all these things, and it's now. Do you? Uh, I know we're running out of time. On a quick, do you manage a, a fund? No, I do not. I, I purely am education. I don't. You want should. To you should manage you. your fund. I want, <laughs> you should no. manage. I'm just telling you. You know what I'm talking about. You should. You should start your own fund. And guess who be the first one following you in? Rashawn McDonald. <laughs> be following you in deep. I'm just telling you. You know that's where the money at. So you need to consider that we because you are special, young lady. You are special. You got because your articulation, your your. I mean, you don't stutter when you talk. That's key when you when when people you don't want nobody to stutter when they talk about your money. 
You want clarity. You know, she ain't, she don't break stride. She just be rolling. Do this, do this. My iPhone, because you can buy stock because it's cheaper than iPhone. I go, that's true. Stock, Apple stock, one twenty nine. iPhone, eight hundred dollars <laughs> I could have like six, six shares of iPhone stock. So good. But we got to go, Miss Fox. Uh, you know you're coming back on the show. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. You stay strong. You keep winning. This is Rashawn McDonald and Miss Ashley M. Fox. You need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. So, go to buyraycon.com iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart.